Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome FanDuel DFS strategy show. I am Matt Kajewski, here with Kyle Dvorak, not my relative. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajewski, and you can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. We are here today with a debut episode of the FanDuel DFS strategy show. This is a show focused entirely on breaking down the FanDuel slate. Thought we needed a little extra coverage here. Kyle, what is going on? I've been getting DMs left and right about me and you being related, pictures of us side by side, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. How are you doing, man? I'm not good because of this talk. It's not that I don't like you. It's not that I wouldn't like to look like you because apparently I do. It just feels a bit disrespectful. I think it's the glasses. I think it's you see two guys with glasses. We both have have the scruff going on and, and they're like, they're the same guy. They're like, it's the it's the the office meme. There's no difference in these pictures. That's what it is. So giving some love to FanDuel today, because I know I know DraftKings gets a lot of the a lot of the talk. Most of the big players are focused on DK. But I do think one, we should be focusing on FanDuel just because it's a it's still a good format. And interestingly, I think it's almost a, a better format in terms of hundred yard bonuses are quite difficult to predict. It's I think it's a more stable, almost predictable, other than touchdowns. It's kind of the one difference maker. And two, I think the action's a little better on FanDuel, if you ask me. Yeah. And I mean there is still a ton of overlapping between DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of what we'll talk about will be applicable to both sites. If you do plan DraftKings, you can still listen to the show and get a lot of good takeaways. Our first topic, it's definitely applicable to both sites. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about some injuries that you might want to monitor going into the week. Some big pivot points. I think first and foremost, we need to talk the James Conner, Benny Snell situation. Obviously, Benny Snell is quite affordable on on both sites and particularly FanDuel. What are you doing with the James Conner, Benny Snell stuff? I know there is a lot of value on FanDuel this week, but, you know, we had Boston Scott last week. He tanked a lot of lineups. Do you think Benny Snell comes in with a little lower ownership, and are you willing to go back to a really cheap running back on this slate? So I will say I don't think I don't think assuming James Conner is out, which seems quite likely, that Benny Snell is quite the the ironically quite the smash as Boston Scott doesn't end up smashing. I don't think he's quite that play level of play. He's a, it's good because he's a favorite, seven and a half point favorites Pittsburgh over Denver, but I don't think he's going to have as much of a receiving split as we would 
have anticipated with Boston Scott, although it didn't end up working out. I don't think he just becomes this three-down workhorse back. Jalen Samuel definitely gets a role in this offense when James Conner is out. What is that role? It's probably not cutting much into Benny Snell's between-the-tackles work because Jalen Samuel kind of is just like a tight end, H-back, running back hybrid type player. So for me, I don't think Benny Snell is the absolute lock in cash games. And it's probably also because, like you said, there's just a lot of value. There are a lot of, I would call them just straight up misprices on FanDuel this week that you can go to instead of him. I think he's a guy who I, I wouldn't be going 100% in, in GPP, and I don't think you have to play him in cash. He'd be a good play. I just don't think he would be the lock button of all lock buttons. I agree with you, and I think ownership is reflecting this. If you look at Osimo's ownership projections, right now Benny Snell is not coming in very high. This could be partially due to James Conner's status. We just don't know yet. But last week we saw Boston Scott. He was pretty clearly going to be one of the most owned players on the entire slate. So I don't think it's quite the same situation either. I agree with you. As far as some other injuries we're kind of monitoring going into the weekend, we have Chris Godwin popping up with a concussion. This is certainly going to influence the ownership on Mike Evans. Kenny Galladay still has not returned from his hamstring and we saw Quintez Cephas see 10 targets. And one guy catching a little bit of steam is Brashad Perriman, Jamison Crowder, surprisingly not practicing early in the week. Brashad Perriman is near the min. So a lot of people potentially pivoting to him as your punt play allows you a lot of really nice plays at the top. Are you really interested in Godwin, excuse me, the Godwin Evans situation, the Galladay Cephas situation, and the Crowder Perriman situation? Anything catch your eye there? Yeah, I mean, I understand why you would want to go to Perriman. He's going to be a number, like a number one with a, a gap between him and the two that you probably call it Chris Herndon or I don't even know, Chris Chris Hogan, a bunch of Chris's I don't want to play. But I also just don't want to play Perriman because his quarterback is is Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold looked terrible. Adam Gase doesn't run a creative offense. I don't, I think he's a guy I could probably sit out on despite there being a, a good points per dollar projection. I just don't see myself needing to go there, and I don't see really much upside. Maybe you can say Perriman has a lot of splash play potential, but I think really all we've seen from him was a few good games in this money-printing Tampa offense last year and then a horrible career before that. So I, I don't feel the need to get to him. I would be very interested in Mike Evans. Mike Evans, despite coming into last week, at, I think he I think he came out and said there. it seemed like there was about a 25% chance he played heading into last week, and then practices happened, and he ends up being able to make it. He's clearly at a, a very hampered version of himself, but as the number one receiver against a ter terrible Carolina defense that cannot cover even, even like a Derek Carr-led team, although they don't score the touchdowns, they all went to Josh Jacobs. You look at what that team did to Carolina. Despite me being a little conservative on how I'm projecting Tom Brady throughout the year, this is a great spot for him to bounce back in. Mike Evans as his big number one receiver would be very interesting. I also think maybe if the Evans ownership gets too high, Scotty Miller, a great pivot. And uh, Quintus Cephas in the Kenny Galladay situation, worth monitoring. Not a guy I'm, I'm too excited about. Any of these guys pique your interest? I know we talked about Snell. I just, I'm meh on the guys other than Mike Evans who'd be in a smash spot. Yeah, I was really interested in Evans before the injury situation. He's priced up at 7,400 on FanDuel. So it's not like he's super cheap. The reason I liked him is I thought you were going to get a ton of edge as far as leverage goes with the ownership coming in a little bit heavier on Chris Godwin. Obviously, if Godwin's out, that's going to flip a little bit here. The other receivers I'm definitely not as interested in. There's a strong case for Perriman as a complete punt play, but I think I'm with you on this. Someone asked in the chat if we would be willing to take 
Jalen Samuels or Anthony McFarlane is a good pivot if the Snell ownership gets too high. I think there's just too many other good values on the slate to really play some of those fringy guys. So I don't think I'm ever going to really get to, to Samuels or McFarland on this slate. What do you think? Yeah, that would be like a, a showdown style pivot where the, the variance in one single game maybe makes you consider it. But I don't think it's even necessarily that like there's a, a high leverage that if Snell, if Snell completely bust, I don't think that guarantees that Samuel hits. So I think that's where we're looking for with leverage is if X doesn't happen, the field really gets crushed and I profit conversely. I don't I think they could both bust or they could both have decent games. So for me, I think it's just a myth play. And then when you expand to the broader scope of the slate having a ton of value. I really can't see myself getting to those guys. Yeah, I agree 100%. The nice thing about Perriman, he allows you to jam in some really expensive plays. And we'll be taking a position-by-position position look at the FanDuel slate today. This will start with QB. One of the highest-priced, chalkiest plays on the slate projects to be Lamar Jackson right now. He is sitting at 9500 We just saw what he did to that poor, poor Cleveland Browns secondary last week. I know Cleveland had a ton of injuries, but man, did Lamar look good. It's just at this point, he's starting to become quite prohibitive to the rest of your lineup. Are you still willing to take a shot on Lamar Jackson, or has he just gotten too expensive at this point? Yeah, he's getting to a point where there are just running backs in, you know, the 7 to 8K range, you know, up to that 9K range even. I love a lot of the running backs there, and that really prevents me from also going Lamar Jackson. FanDuel doesn't give you bonuses, so his rushing, while it's good, doesn't have this, like, extra threshold of upside that you could get on a DraftKings. So for me, I'm probably paying down. I think you can still get exposure to Jackson by going a Marquise Brown or a Mark Andrews, but that's probably the exposure that I would have to him, not through Jackson himself. Yeah, listen, this game has a really high total. It's at 52, but it has fallen to start the week. We're looking at Lamar Jackson right now coming in as the highest owned QB, or it looks like it's dropped a little bit. He's now the second highest owned QB in the Osmo projections, just above 13%. With the price you're paying on him, I'm just not willing to get there at this point outside of just some game stacks. The player who's now eclipsed Lamar Jackson in ownership is Dak Prescott, and obviously that is the premier stacking game on this entire slate it is the highest total. Are you willing to eat some Dak Prescott chalk? He's sitting at 8,300 on FanDuel. Yeah, I think I, I started the week thinking, uh, well, I started the week thinking that maybe people would be a little bit down on, on the Cowboys because they showed pretty poorly in week one. That is obviously not the case. So then I pivoted to, oh, let's just go full contrarian and play no Cowboys. I think I'm moving back to having some exposure. I think this game just has such a high potential of shooting out. And then when you look at the pricing on FanDuel, it's pretty easy to get up to multiple of this team that I think as opposed to completely fading it and just saying, if it doesn't hit, I win. I'm probably going to have some exposure. I think some of that will come through Dak Prescott. A lot of that will come through one-offs though, just playing a single Michael Gallup and hoping he scores twice. The same could be said of Amari Cooper, even CeeDee Lamb. So I'm going to have some exposure to Dak Prescott, but I don't think I'm going to go crazy on him like it seems the field will. Yeah, for sure. And on FanDuel specifically, we'll get to some of the other positions in a bit here. But Amari Cooper, Gallup, and C.D. Lamb are all inside the top six of wide receiver ownership, which is which is pretty crazy to me. So we, we definitely like this game a lot. I, I think there's a lot of options you can just take in the lower price range, which is why maybe we're not as excited for your Lamar Jacksons, your Dak Prescotts. Even if you look down the list as far as pricing goes, Deshaun Watson is coming in with lower ownership. He's 7,900. If you want to go even lower, there's a couple options around that high 6k low 7k range i think you can target i know you're particularly interested in this this kc game so why don't you talk to me about that a little bit 
Yeah, for me, that's a game that, especially on FanDuel, could just feature a lot of touchdowns specifically. There are so many playmakers in this game. People are going to be off of it seemingly solely because of Tyrod Taylor. And I agree, Tyrod Taylor, not a cornerback you generally want to be on. And season long, he seems like his ceiling is, is somewhat capped over the course of a season. But on an individual game, when he's losing by two touchdowns and dropping back every single play, that gives his his teammates a lot of considerable upside. And his price is so small. I think he's a top... He's a top three or five value at quarterback for us at Osmo. And I think he has a path to, you know, multiple touchdowns really is what you're looking for from Taylor. Taylor is cheap. You get a bunch of touchdowns. You get, you know, you get two touchdowns and you get them right. Say he throws one to Mike Williams and Eckler and that's your stack. Hunter Henry could also play in there. I think he had eight targets in week one. If you get those touchdowns right, it basically opens up the entire slate for you to just go, I would say, both high-priced and chalk elsewhere because no one seems to be on Taylor. And this game seems to be just generally kind of going under the radar despite it having so much touchdown upside. So it's got good value, shootout potential. I think all the pieces are here for it to be a, a good pivot and then let you go chalky elsewhere, let you get those running backs that you really want to get. For sure. And I'm taking a glance at the ownership projections right now. It is not too often you see Patrick Mahomes coming in sub 5%, but that is the situation we have here. So I, I'm certainly interested in some Pat Mahomes stacks this week too. Another game that has a pretty decent total. I want to, or excuse me, we already talked about the Lamar Jackson side, but I want to get your take on Deshaun Watson here. He's at 7,900 on FanDuel. And I think people are discounting Watson a little bit just because we saw Baker Mayfield completely face plant in this game last week. In a game with a really high total, are you interested in taking Watson as a contrarian option to Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think he's both contrarian to Jackson and the other high ownership, Dak Prescott, because he's only 400 cheaper. So at a price point, he's a pivot off of Dak. And in the game, he is a pivot off Lamar. And I get it. The matchup is difficult. This Ravens defense is legit. One of the better defenses in the league. But Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And if there's anything that Lamar Jackson himself, guys like Patrick Mahomes have taught us, it's that good offenses beat good defenses more often than not. That's just the way the NFL is structured today. So for me, when I can get both you know, a, a decent price and a good ownership discount on Deshaun Watson, I will be over the field on him and his weapons, specifically his explosive playmakers. A guy like Will Fuller is a guy I would love to pair him with. And that also still, like I said, opens you up. It gives you a pseudo exposure to Jackson. If Jackson goes crazy, Watson is going to have to go crazy if they want to keep in this game too. So I think it gives you exposure to Jackson without having to do it. And there's obviously great runbacks on the other side. Like I said, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, even some sneaky plays, you know, a Miles Boykin or a Willie Sneed are in play, although it's very deep. That'd be a large field tournament play only. For sure. Looking at GPPs exclusively with some of those guys. All right. I need you to talk me off a ledge with one player, not someone I'm confident in, but someone great game environment. It's Dwayne Haskins at 6,500 on FanDuel. So Dwayne Haskins last week, wasn't the greatest showing 54.8% completion percentage, only 5.7 yards per attempt. That was 29th in the NFL, but he enters this really nice game environment against the Cardinals. It's a 47 and a half total that's been rising, which is something I like too. But what we saw to this Washington football team, I think this is an offense on the come up. They ran 70 plays last week. That was ninth in the NFL. They only had to pass 49% of the time. They were in shockingly positive game script, but Scott Turner is the OC. We saw him a little bit in Carolina and we know he likes to run pass first and fast offenses. We know Arizona on the other side is going to run a a pass versus offense as well as a fast one too. So I think this could be a sneaky shootout with a lot of plays and a lot of points. It has me interested in Haskins. It has me interested in Terry McLaurin as a potential sacking partner. Am I crazy for considering Dwayne Haskins in tournaments this week? 
No, I actually really like that call. He's a guy who in like season long, I'm like picking up my super flex leagues or trying to trade for him. I think this is a really good spot just because you look at his opponent, they're going to put up points. I think this this offense in, in the Cardinals is going to go underrated and how fast and how efficient they are going to be this year. That forces your opponents to attempt to do the same thing. And Haskins quietly, they got into the red zone five different times last week, only scored one time through the air. Peyton Barber gets a handful of goal line carries and punches them in. They also kneel it out in the red zone to basically, they finish the game. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the red zone, kneel it out and give give Carson Wentz one, you know, one or two plays with 10 seconds left. It didn't matter at that point. Five red zone trips and one passing touchdown. You could see that that could have easily been three touchdowns for Dwayne Haskins. This offense going underrated in their ability to get in and score. I think he's going to be like this is a hero. You know, no one's going to own him because he has this reputation as being ugly, but he could hit. It's a good spot for him to hit. There's great his, you know, his offense is concentrated too. It's Terry McLaurin and Logan Thompson. That's like it, in my opinion, in terms of the receivers. So it's easy to pick out who you want to stack with. And then the runback options on the other side are great as well. I completely agree that this is a spot that it doesn't take much to be over the field on it. And I think you should be over the field on it. Agreed. Well, before we close out on QBs, let's talk fades for a second here. We hit on a lot of guys already. We talked about potentially fading Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott for price as well as ownership. Someone that's gotten a little bit of buzz that kind of surprised me was Mitch Trubisky. I don't know if this necessarily counts as a fade. You know, you can't really go out to the public and be like, yeah, I faded Mitch Trubisky this week. I'm going to victory lap this, but he comes in 7,200. The reason I'm not too keen on Mitch Trubisky, just 56% completion percentage, 6.7 yards per attempt. I mean, against the Giants, I know their secondary is weak, but Chicago doesn't exactly have the flashiest offense either they're passing 57 percent of the time that's middle of the pack they were in 65 plays middle of the pack I mean there's just not a lot for me to get excited about this guy what do you think about Trubisky and are you fading anyone else specifically outside of the really expensive and chalky QBs yeah no I, I completely agree on your sentiments on Trubisky and like he had I believe he had no touchdowns through three quarters they were completely I don't want to say they lucked into it. like it takes talent to produce touchdowns but it was extremely convenient that they are able to score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter last week. If they don't do that, we're talking about we're talking about Nick Foles at this point, probably. So for me, yeah, I'm just out on Mitch Trubisky's talent. That means I won't have any of him. A guy, I'm like, what is what is going on here? Ryan Tannehill is a top. What is this? He looks like our number six most owned quarterback on the slate. That's not crazy ownership. He's not you know 15 percent. But I don't. I wasn't planning on having any Ryan Tannehill. Jacksonville defense is bad, but we also know that Tennessee, when they get up, they are going to jam Derrick Henry down their opponent's throats. This seems like a Tannehill 15 attempt game. Why are people, I just don't get this. Why are people excited to play Tannehill as he's going into a game? Like, yeah, I want my quarterbacks to be winning. So that means they put up points. They might be the exception. They're kind of, they're just going to run the ball. Yeah, Tannehill's cheap. He's 7K flat on, on FanDuel. I think that's why people are looking at him, but it still doesn't really make sense to me. Phillip Rivers is 7,100. He completed 78% of his passes for 7.9 yard, yards per attempt, which was 10th over 300 yards, and he threw 46 times. I know that wasn't the best game script for them. They were they had to throw the ball a lot, basically, but it, it comes down to what you said. I don't expect Tannehill to throw a lot, and when there's pivots in that same price range, I'm not really going to be getting to him either. 
But let's talk about the running back position. We talked about not being too excited about some of the chalk at QB, but man, running back is a position where I am just licking my chops to get some of these running backs. And it starts with Jonathan Taylor. We're talking about rivers. We're going to stick with the Colts here in the running back position. Jonathan Taylor's 5,800 on FanDuel. We know about Marlon Mack goes down with the injury. Taylor comes out, starts the second half. It looks amazing. And more importantly, the guy sees six targets. People always questioning his pass game role at Wisconsin. So seeing him with those six targets was really promising to me. What do you expect from Jonathan Taylor this week? And do you think he fully assumes that Marlon Mack role? Yeah, I, I do think he assumes the Marlon Mack role. I will say that, you know, the presence of Hines behind him not only concerns me a little bit, but I think if you're playing in large field tournaments, it's actually, like, it's interesting. I don't even like Hines that much. I love Jonathan Taylor. Hines, to me, is a guy who's, you know, he's he's James White light. That's not that interesting, especially on half PPR FanDuel. But he's still a top five projected value at the running back position for us as of as of Thursday. For me, he's a guy you have to consider pivoting to basically – having as much value in terms of points per dollar as Taylor, but with, you know, so little ownership relative to Taylor being one of the most popular plays on the slate. I still think Taylor is a fine play in cash for me. I'm, I'm maybe looking to get off of him in tournaments. I still think it's okay to go chalky with guys like, you know, Zeke and Henry Taylor getting all the between the tackles work, but maybe if he just doesn't catch as many passes, he wasn't running nearly as many routes as Hines. He's, he's a guy who I could see busting and in his ownership. That's probably a reason for me to get off of him. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense in large field tournaments. Right now, he is going to be penciled into my cash lineup. And you spoke mm -hmm. on his routes. He ran 12 routes total. That was on 26% of Phillip Rivers dropbacks. In comparison, Naheem Hines ran a route on 60% of Phillip Rivers dropbacks. But we're seeing Taylor come in with such high ownership, partially because his price, 5,800. It's good. And that's going to afford you the roster mobility to go up and get some of these studs. And when we start looking at other running backs, Derek Henry is a guy that saw immense, immense workload. Ezekiel Elliott is someone in a similar situation in that highest totaled game on the slate. Do you have any interest in some of the, the chalky expensive running backs, you know, Ezekiel Elliott going against the Falcons in that really high total game, Derek Henry as a huge favorite against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, both pushing 30% ownership right now. Yeah, so it looks like to me that uh, a lot of the builds on this slate are going to be cheap, cheapish running backs like a Jonathan Taylor, Kenyon Drake, another guy we have as a good value, also very popular, and then expensive quarterbacks like Jackson and Dak. I think I'm going to flip the script and eat the chalk at the expensive running backs, guys like Zeke and Derrick Henry, who both have multi-touchdown upside, 30-plus touch upside, especially with Henry in a spot where they're expected to ravage Jacksonville. Terrible defense, an offense that they played well last week, but still aren't expected to be world beaters. So I could see him easily getting, you know, 25 to 30 carries. Had, I believe, three catches on their Monday night game as well. Darrington Evans, I think it's supposed to be back, but he's a guy who fumbled a bit in training camp. I don't think he's going to get a massive role heading into his first NFL game. So Henry and Zeke are guys that I'm probably looking to in large field tournaments. They are the guys I want to eat the chalk on. I like their touchdown upside on FanDuel. I think Jonathan Taylor has risks of busting. He's still a great play, but at his ownership, he has some ways to bust. And the quarterback prices at the top or the quarterback ownership up top just seems so crazy that I love the pivots down at quarterback. That gives me a lot of money. That gives me a lot of Derrick Henry and Zeke. For sure. On the Derrick Henry catching passes, three targets, and he ran a route on 44% of Tannehill dropbacks. Darrington Evans is back. I So I'm not sure what his role is going to be, but I also want to say they were playing Jeremy McNichols out there, and Jeremy <laughs> McNichols bouncing around practice squads. I'm not sure he exactly warranted snaps either. So I, I 
I think if Aaron, Darrington Evans is back, like he probably gets on the field a little bit. I, I do think Ezekiel Elliott is in a, a fantastic spot, of course. We're kind of burying the lead here. We're talking about all these expensive running backs and the man himself, Christian McCaffrey, his name hasn't even come up yet. He is priced egregiously on FanDuel this week. He is 10.5K. Is there a situation where you're playing McCaffrey? We know he has slate breaking ability. What are we doing with this price? Yeah, th- this price, I-, I just think when you can pay down, you know, what is this, over 2000 less for Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry could easily outscore McCaffrey. It would not surprise anyone if McCaffrey only finds the end zone once and just has a, a good, not great game. McCaffrey just needs to go so crazy on any given slate based on his price that I love the pivots down to Zeke, to, to Henry. There's even some lower price guys who I think could sneak up and score close to McCaffrey. One guy at 8K who I'm sure we'll talk about, I think has crazy touchdown upside. So for me, I just don't feel the need to pay up for McCaffrey on the slate. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. We've, we've talked a lot about McCaffrey at this point, just being so cost prohibitive. It's hard to jam in some of the other studs you really need to win in this, this day and age in DFS. Now you hinted at it. So we're going to move over and talk some low owned plays at the running back position. We still have full slates here. There's no buys, anything like that. So we're getting most of the bell cow running backs on every single slate. There's guys like Saquon Barkley who project for 20 to 25 touches in one guy in particular, you mentioned him. It is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I don't know what is going on with this chiefs team and ownership. Maybe this will change throughout the week, which is a good point too. make sure you check ownership updated throughout the week, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire specifically 25 touches last week. All of those came on the ground. He was targeted twice, wasn't able to reel either of them in, but this was widely expected to be a timeshare with Daryl Williams. And we slowly see Edward Slayer pull away from this timeshare by the end of the game. He's playing a majority of the snaps also ran around on 52% of Mahomes' dropback. So if things go awry in this Kansas city offense, I do think Edward Slayer stays on the field against the chargers. And he's the one likely to see those touches in the passing game as well. He also had a huge red zone role. I'll, I'll let you speak to that in a second. That could be another reason why, this ownership is so low on Edwards Hilaire at 8K flat, but I love him here as a leverage play. What do you think about Edwards Hilaire? Yeah, I, I, I would have, if you would have asked me following, let's call it Tuesday morning, if you would ask me Tuesday morning what I would project Clyde Edwards Hilaire ownership to be, given his 8K very affordable price, I would say it would be just below the guys like Elliott and Henry. I would say it's in that range of, of between like 18 to 22%. Right now, we have him coming in at 11. That's like half of what I would have expected. He had almost the entirety of the red zone looks. He doesn't end up converting. He had like three different drives where they got him involved in like inside the five to 10 yard line. Only ends up scoring once. Every expected points model you look at had him as one of not only the best running back plays, one of the best absolute quarterback running back wide receiver plays of the entire slate. He doesn't capitalize on all of those expected points. I think that's a bit of a fluke. When you have a Kansas City offense that has guys like Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, you are going to be spread out and trying to defend all these guys. That gives light boxes even inside the five or 10. It's so difficult to defend even Patrick Holmes with his legs. This is an offense that is impossible to defend. That's going to open up red zone touchdowns for Clyde Erdes-Hilaire. He is the, he's like 9.5K if he scores all three touchdowns. Such a, a variance-based thing like touchdowns for me. I think his price at 8K is so low. His ownership at right now about 10 to 11%, so low as well. If he had scored three touchdowns, we're talking about, do we play him at, you know, the same price as Christian McCaffrey on FanDuel where touchdowns are are a bit more important as well. I just don't get how he's not the chalk of the chalk. Yeah, I agree 100%. And 
Guys in the chat, we're talking ownership a lot. If you're ever interested in seeing this ownership and you're not already a member at Osmo.com, make sure to head over to the site. Check out that weekly NFL pass. You can find that at Osmo.com backslash join. We have packages available for players of all all levels, recreational, professional. We have it all. So make sure to go check out that ownership. It's going to be important this week, especially with some of the injuries we're talking about. And that is going to change too. So make sure to hit on that. But Kyle, as far as the running back position goes, we talked about Edwards Hilaire. Are you willing to pivot anywhere else? Saquon is a guy I'm particularly interested in. You know, I, I don't think we see Saquon average less than one yards per carry really at any point again in his career. That was, that was pretty ridiculous. He's a guy that saw nine targets in the passing game. He reeled in six of them, ran a route on 67% of Daniel Jones dropbacks. What do you think about Saquon? And how about some other potential pivots? Anyone else you'd be looking at here? Yeah, Saquon, another guy who shows up in every expected points model because he gets the volume. And despite me not liking the Giants' offense, thinking, you know, Chicago's defense is good as well, although I, I'm not big on caring too much about defensive matchups. I don't love the Giants' offense, but I love touches above all else. Saquon getting those at such low ownership, he could have, I mean, we saw it at his peak. He does have Christian McCaffrey level volume. It just didn't come together on their week one performance. At, at 9K, I think that's a very reasonable price to pay for a guy with his volume and at his ownership. It is a guy who, as much as I'm not excited about it, the strategy behind it just makes too much sense to not be over the field on Saquon just based on his volume alone. That gives him multiple touchdown upside. I don't love the offense, but I do love Saquon. His volume, his talent is all there. So I think he's a guy you have to consider. Austin Eckler for me. I, I, I'm going to be talking about this Chargers offense way too much for how they looked in week one, but I don't think that's necessarily what they're going to look like in week two. They play, you know, they, they played the Bengals in week one. The Bengals couldn't even get to 20 points. You don't have to do a ton as an offense. When you're playing the Chiefs, you do have to at least try to do a ton. Austin Eckler, even on, on FanDuel where his receptions aren't as valuable, I still think the yardage you gain from them and the touchdown potential you gain from them is quite valuable. We didn't see it in week one, but he was running. He basically played on almost the entirety of their passing down snaps versus I think Justin Jackson had seven and, and Josh Kelly had three. And I don't know if either of those guys even ran routes. I think they were like blockers on those. So for me, Austin Eckler at 6,900. People are going to say that the sky is falling because Joshua Kelly gets a handful of carries. You know, Austin Eckler gets, I think, one target that he converted to a catch. I still think Austin Eckler is a talented player in a good situation as a, you know, a clear passing down back against a Chiefs team that is going to eviscerate the Chargers. So there are going to be a lot of passing downs. I don't think you have to be really that high on him either to get over the field. So he's a guy I'm going to stack with Tyrod Taylor. I think there are other options on this offense as well. And then the runbacks. We talk about a guy like Clyde Ortelaire. We'll talk about some other runbacks as well. I just think this game in general is such a good game environment and the prices, the ownership are all there for it as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I like Eckler a lot in this sort of game environment. I know people are really quick to jump to conclusions saying mm -hmm. Philip Rivers is gone. The targets are drying up for Eckler. Maybe they are. It's a one game sample, but we did see Eckler as the only running back running routes for that team. Joshua Kelly did not run a single route. But before we move over to wide receiver here, let's talk some quick fades. We, we talked about a lot of guys we like. I want to know if there's anyone you don't like. One person in particular for me is going to be Ronald Jones. I know I'm going to uh, piss Laffy off if he sees this show. Ronald Jones is his boy <laughs> this week. But Ronald Jones, he's 5,900. I think that's a big reason why people like him. 19 touches last week. He only played 47% of the snaps. The reason I'm not too keen on Ronald Jones is I think we start seeing a touch squeeze from two sides at some point this year. They signed Leonard Fournette. Now, I don't think Leonard Fournette is a premier running back by any means, 
but I do think he's going to factor into this offense. He's only been with the team for a small portion of time right now, and he should squeeze Ronald Jones just from carries alone. Then we see LaShawn McCoy. He ran a route on 49% of Tom Brady's dropbacks. That was really close to what Ronald Jones ran. Ronald Jones was only running routes on 40%. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 6%. So it's not like Ronald Jones was commanding this, this massive lead as far as pass game work either. So I think in the long term, Playing a guy like Ronald Jones, you know, over Jonathan Taylor just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What do you think about Jones and anyone else you're fading at RB? Yeah, Jones's price is really good, 5900 but I agree his ownership is – he's another guy who I like. I actually do like both as a, a talent and I like his projection this week. But at his ownership, when you have such obvious ways that this guy could bust, like if he just doesn't get the red zone work, he can go, he can go 10 for 100 and not catch a pass, and that is such a – useless hundred yards for you so for me when a guy has so many paths to busting and his upside seems a bit capped even at 5900 i get the projection is probably good but his ownership he's a guy i'll, I'll just come in a bit lower on than the field on christian mccaffrey we talked about him up top his price just prices you out of getting a ton of good mid-range guys i'm probably going to be basically below the field on him every single week and i think that's a small plus advantage plus ev edge can take every week is just coming in below the field on cmc unfortunately because i love him but it's the price is too much yeah for sure i'm basically only playing cmc in complete game stacks where i really like the total when he's involved at this point so i mean i do usually have cmc but i'm often below the field as well but i'm taking a look in the chat we have nearly 150 people watching the show first of all thank you guys second of all if you could hit that thumbs up button that would mean a great deal to me and Kyle. It is the best way to support us and everyone over at Osmo.com. And while you're at it, hit that sub subscribe button, hit the notification bell. That way you know when everything goes live on the channel. We would greatly appreciate it. But we need to talk wide receivers. So we'll hit on Devonta Adams in a second. I actually have, I think, a more pressing question. It's the Cowboys wide receivers. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb are all inside the top 10 in projected ownership. What do we do with this? Do you play just one? Do you play multiple in your cash lineups? In tournaments, do you fade entirely? I can't remember the last time I saw three wide receivers from one team this highly owned. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm surprised even like CD, like Amari doesn't surprise me. It's not surprising that he gets as the most popular, you know, one of the most popular receiver plays. But to get all three of them in is actually absurd. I think the worst possible thing you could do is play a solo stack of Dak and Amari. You just gain nothing over the field. If they go off, you're competing with basically everyone who owns them is going to be a quarter of the field or something like that, you know, 15% ownership of this stack. I would consider stacking them probably as, or I would consider playing them as Michael Gallup, a single run back on the Atlanta side, and then moving on. Uh, CD Lamb probably has that same type of potential where he could just catch two touchdowns and, and dry up the touchdown pool for his teammates. Or I think you have to go all in. I think the, the worst way to attack it is middle. Don't try and play the middle and say Amari Cooper is the only one and Dak is the only one. You gain no leverage by doing that. I think you either go absolutely all in on this team. You either triple stack or maybe you, maybe you find a way to do Dalton Schultz even as a guy who could just luck box a touchdown at a low price. 
but the worst way is to middle. So I would say that's the biggest takeaway is don't go in the middle, either go all in or go very minimal. Hope Michael Gallup scores twice and you don't need anyone else, kind of like Calvin Ridley was last week. He gets the two scores and outshines his teammates. That's how I would approach it. I'm starting to think though that maybe you just have to, like, do you just have to get off this game in terms of you gain nothing if it goes off or you gain little if it goes off? How do you approach this? I'm kind of lost. Yeah, so I, this I just want to- Yeah, it is, it is for sure. I want to specify we're talking about tournaments in that situation. As far as cash goes, things like that. Amari Cooper's a a fantastic play and he'll be highly owned for a good reason. You know, I think one thing you could do, just completely game stack it. We're still seeing complete game stacks coming in under owned compared to the amount of time they actually finish in that top one percentile of lineup. So if you want to run, I don't know, Dak, Cooper, Gallup, and then run it back with someone on the other side, I still think you probably have a little bit of edge there. But you mentioned it with all of them coming in with such high ownership. I, I am too questioning what that is. We'll see how this evolves throughout the week. But right now I'm looking at being a little light on Dallas. I mean, as crazy as that sounds in the kind of game environment we're expecting against Atlanta, but let's talk Devonte Adams. I mean, Michael Thomas is hurt now. It, it seems like Devonte Adams is the guy. Everyone's just penciling into that target hog role People were really prioritizing Michael Thomas last year. Devontae Adams is 8,600, so he is expensive, but he's still not cost prohibitive like uh, Christian McCaffrey or Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson. Do I just have to play this guy? Yeah, he's actually you know the, the fine, chalky play for me. I'm just going to say that when you can get that amount of targets on a guy like Devontae Adams, who also has great touchdown upside, because even, even if Aaron Rodgers does look like he has in the past few years, his touchdown rate seems like something that is always going to be above league average. You can capture a lot of touchdowns by playing Devontae Adams. You get a ton of targets. I don't see why you'd move off this guy. He's the one chalky play that I am just willing to eat that chalk on, even in tournaments, because Adams is upside. Adams is Michael Thomas. He is Michael Thomas. And now that we have no Michael Thomas, he's our only Michael Thomas. So when you can get this amount of targets for an affordable, not prohibitive price of 8,600, I'm totally on board with that. There's just too many good things to say about Devonta Adams. If you want yeah. to look at the matchup, they're playing the Detroit Lions. That's a 49 and a half total that's been rising steadily throughout the week. Detroit, they were just absolutely decimated by injuries last week. Desmond Trufant leaves the game with a hamstring. Justin Coleman lands on injured reserve. CJ Moore limited at practice with a hamstring himself. They were literally playing Daryl Roberts, Tony McRae, and Amani Aruwarie to finish out that game. We'll have to see the practice reports throughout the week to see what happens with this Detroit secondary, but we could be just looking at another absolute smash bot for Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, if you are looking to get contrarian, I do think there's a couple options. We see a lot of receivers on, on this slate in particular with a lot of target volume that are coming in with low ownership, you know, on explosive offenses too. There's guys like Tyreek Hill, who stands out to me coming in sub 10% ownership. I can't remember the last time you get Tyree kill. And not to mention, he's just eight K flat, a guy with immense GPP winning potential, this cheap of a price at this low ownership. What are we doing with guys like Tyree kill? And can we look to anyone else? Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm looking at our ownership and the, the amount of, I'm not going to give all the goods away, but the amount of the Atlanta-Dallas game that is in our top ownership, it's like the entire game. I do think you have to have a lot of just entire fades of that game. You have to consider the option that this game just for whatever reason, you know, somebody gets hurt, you know, Dak gets hurt or whatever. He's running, gets hurt. 
this game kills so much of the field if that happens. So for me, Tyreek Hill at under 10% ownership is an incredible pivot in that 8K range, basically falls into that just above those guys, falls in that Julio Jones type of range. A guy is going to be popular. So Tyreek Hill, even Sammy Watkins, I would just look to find ways to get off the game that is going to basically be on everyone's mind. And Tyreek Hill with his touchdown upside, his explosive play upside is, is like the ideal pivot in the scenario. I agree. He's someone that was kind of outshined by Sammy Watkins, as funny as that is to say, in week one, two. But I'm looking at other games that that just have high totals here. You know, this Atlanta-Dallas game is 52 and a half. This Baltimore-Houston game is 52. But then outside of that, we have Detroit-Green Bay at 49. We talked about Devontae Adams a lot. I think the Carolina-Tampa Bay game at 47 and a half is really interesting. We touched on Chris Godwin, Mike Evans at the top. But even a guy like DJ Moore, who didn't really separate himself from some of the other receivers in Carolina. He's coming in at 6,800 on FanDuel. I think there's a lot of reasons to like him in what projects to be a really pass-friendly and fast game just because of the new OC and Joe Brady. So I, I do think there's a lot of ways to pivot off some of the chalky receivers as well. Is there anyone else in particular you're looking at as maybe a pivot or a leverage play at wide receiver? So I'll, I'll quickly touch on my favorite game. Mike Williams led his team in targets, led his team in air yards. He's a guy that basically needs two to three plays to get it done. One other guy that I know you love and I've been all aboard is Juju Smith-Schuster, 7,100. Not a bad price for a guy who clearly is uh, – Deontay Johnson got more targets, but Juju Smith-Schuster has this history of being a dominant receiver in the NFL last year, a miserable year aside. His first year of his career were incredible. We see him find the end zone in week one. This offense is looking clearly to be on the turnaround now their running game is looking quite scuffed with James Conner almost certainly being out. I could see them moving to a bit more of a pass-heavy approach, and we know that's in their in the range of outcomes. We saw 5,000 yards through the air from Ben Roethlisberger last time he was healthy. We could see something akin to that this season with their, their miserable running back room and the injuries they've suffered. So I love Juju Smith-Schuster Smith at 7,100. I'll be playing him at this price point all day. All right. I, I have, I think the ultimate leverage play right now. And I, mm-hmm. so you're going to have to explain this one to me. I can't quite figure it out. It's back in that Indianapolis game. Now Paris Campbell, he's coming in sub 5% ownership. Paris Campbell is also incredibly affordable. He's 5,300. He finally plays a full-time role in this offense, plays 82% of snaps. More importantly, he ran a route on 83% of dropbacks and the dude sees nine targets. That was a 19.6 target share. He also added in a rush attempt, if you want to factor in things like that, just a little extra way to get the ball. 37% of Indianapolis's air yards. They're playing this Minnesota secondary that just got absolutely decimated by Green Bay last week. Why, why is Paris Campbell so low-owned, and why should I not just jam him? Yeah, it's super funny because I wasn't really in on – Campbell or this offense that much last week and typically when you get proven wrong like that it happens like in in a dramatic fashion if you were wrong on Devontae Adams you can't go back to week one now he's the most popular play on the slate borderline you can go back to week one with Paris Campbell apparently no one saw what happened week one you have a second chance I don't know why I, I don't know why you wouldn't take that I'm given a second chance and I'm going to be it's not hard to be over the field on Paris Campbell you don't typically get people just completely writing off a performance like we saw from Campbell apparently at in his price 5300 you mentioned it that's such a low price for his target volume i i've been given a second chance by the grace of god to not miss out on the paris campbell breakout season and i'm going to be doing that week week two 
Yeah, listen, there's a lot of reasons to like Paris Campbell. He's giving you incredible leverage off a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who might be the most owned running back on this slate. And when we look at the overall game environment, a 48 and a half point total that's rising throughout the week. It's also a close spread. Indianapolis is favored by three. That does favor Jonathan Taylor, but it's not like it's this egregious game script. Like, I don't know, the, the Tennessee Jacksonville game where we just expect Derrick Henry to run everywhere. We, we just saw Phillip Rivers attempt 46 passes last week. Jacksonville, I know they're, they're, they're like a, a great matchup for Derrick Henry, but I don't know why you just don't pivot to this kind of matchup here and take Paris Campbell, take all your Colts, really. I love Jonathan Taylor still, but I still think you can get some incredible leverage with, with Paris Campbell in this situation. Any other leverage we, we may have missed here? I know I like Terry McLaurin a lot. We talked about the Dwayne Haskins stack, so that's what I'm potentially looking at. But anything else catching your eye at wide receiver before we pivot to tight end? Yeah, I will say Will Fuller is still going to garner some ownership, but at 6,100 for the number one Deshaun Watson receiver, he's a guy like he he falls in that range of middle ownership, you know, the the just on the border of single to double digits. And with so much ownership ownership concentrated at top, I also think at the price point, he's the the exact price pivot off of Michael Gallup, who's who's $100 cheaper. But for me, Will Fuller as his team's number one receiver, as opposed to Gallup being the number two, I will be having a lot of Will Fuller in a game that has another high total. It just seems to be going basically second fiddle to the Atlanta Dallas game. So I'm trying to find ways to pivot off and Will Fuller at the price point is the perfect way to do that. In my opinion. Yeah. I love Fuller. We saw him actually work as an alpha in that offense. It was really promising to see for him long-term. And I think that's a very nice situation to target Fuller as an underdog too, but let's move over to tight end. We hit on a lot of wide receivers already. The tight end position is really interesting on FanDuel. We don't see quite the differences between, you know, the highest price tight ends and the cheapest tight ends. So there's a lot of guys kind of wedged in the middle of the pricing tier. I think it actually kind of spreads ownership out a little bit, and we are seeing it on this site. Right now, Mark Andrews is projected to be the most owned tight end. I think that's for very good reason. We actually saw him play 71% of snaps in your tight end's especially tight ends that are catching passes. You're probably more concerned with routes run, but we never saw Mark Andrews near that 70% share last year. So just functioning as more of a full-time player in this offense, he saw 28.7% of the air yards for Baltimore. They were an incredibly positive game script. So this could be a small sample trap, but I don't know. I'm having a lot of trouble getting away from him at 7,500, especially some with some of the value on the slate. You know, you play a guy like Paris Campbell, you play a guy like Jonathan Taylor. It's not exactly very hard to jam in Mark Andrews. What do you think about him as the most owned tight end? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I will say that, you know, Travis Kelsey for only 300 more, I'm surprised they're not a little closer. There's a, a bit of a discrepancy between the two in ownership, but Mark Andrews does make sense. You mentioned it. He turned from last year being a very effective, but almost a role player in a sense, to now it seems like with the the loss of Aiden Hurst being traded to Atlanta, he is absolutely the guy. He's basically the number one receiver on this team for a team led by Lamar Jackson, who seemingly does not know what regression is. I think he was like a 12% touchdown rate last week. So for me, this is a spot where I think I would prefer to play Mark Andrews in, for me, it's going to be a lot of Deshaun Watson stacks. I like to run him back in that way, but I think you can even play him solo just because he has so much touchdown upside. We saw it last week with two touchdowns. That's easily within his range of outcomes again in a game that should feature a lot of points versus the Texans. So he's a guy that I think is a good enough play I do, I do have some, think there's some efficacy to the Travis Kelsey pivot though. 100%. You're getting nearly a 5% ownership break by pivoting mm -hmm. down to Kelsey. I, George Kittle, 
he's not expected to play this, or excuse me, he's not expected to practice this week, but Kyle Shanahan didn't say he's expected to play. He's in that price tier. I think he'll carry a little bit of ownership, but if he's inactive, I think it'll bump up both Andrews and Kelsey, probably as well as Ertz, who's coming in just behind these guys. And I mean, people don't treat Ertz like he's the wide receiver one for Philadelphia, but convince me if I'm wrong here. I firmly believe Zach Ertz is the wide receiver one for this Philadelphia team. 85% of snaps, 74% of routes were on seven targets. I know that was behind Dallas Goddard, who you uh, coined as the real tight end one for this team. But why should I not just save the extra money and go right down to Ertz? Yeah, I think Ertz uh, would be Ertz would be a fine tournament pivot over over guys like Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey because he has the same target upside. I'm not sure if the touchdown upside necessarily there. We saw Carson Wentz struggle greatly in week one. It was against a stacked front seven, at least, from the Washington football team defense. So I think maybe that's why that's probably why his ownership is, is much lower. You just don't get the high-flying offense that you get when you buy into a Kansas City or a Baltimore. And as much as I like to like to rag on Ertz because Dallas Goddard is a supreme talent, as of right now, I still agree. Zach Ertz is the number one receiver. Could that change? Could a young athletic tight end like Dallas Goddard eventually overtake him? Yes, but as of right now, I agree. It, it's still Zach Ertz as the number one. So I think he's a fine pivot, although I, I do think I get some concerns with the Philly offense. So that's why I think his ownership is where it is. I'm probably going to be with the field or lower just because of that. I think you get a ton of upside, especially touchdown upside, when you pay that extra, you know, 1500 for Travis Kelsey. It's a bit of a payment, but I think it's worth the payment to get up. Right. We're talking 6300 for Ertz. So it's not like he's still expensive. He's just not in that, I don't know, egregious top tier range for, for tight ends. But we've only talked expensive tight ends at this point. We know not everyone's going to go there. Some people, just the way their roster construction is naturally built, they're going to have to pay down for tight end. It's looking like the premier punt option on the slate is Dalton Schultz, who was left at 4K. I don't know if FanDuel might have missed this role change or not, but Dallas, or excuse me, Dalton Schultz is 4K playing for the Dallas Cowboys in that highest total game on the slate where we know everyone is going to target. Schultz, he comes in, plays 69% of snaps, runs around on 53% of Dak Prescott dropbacks. Those are both really promising considering Jarwin started this game and he's now out with a season-ending injury. At 4K flat, are you playing Dalton Schultz or is this another Cowboy situation where you're fading based on ownership? Yeah, his ownership, he's going to be one of the, technically one of the higher-owned plays on the slate but basically there's a tier there's like a top tier of two another tier of a handful of guys and then you get to this giant flat tier of ownership so i think he is a, absolutely a fine play and he's got to be even though he's going to be one of the higher owned tight ends he's still not that crazy high ownership he's got to be a way to make your dak prescott stacks different i would make him a priority i would i would boost him in your projections in lineups that have dak if you're using like our if you're using cruncher you can boost him in dak lineups so for me he's a guy that I don't love him. He's, I think he's mostly an inline blocker, but if he's going to be on the field for almost the entirety of their snaps, he has a chance. He has multiple touchdown upside. Even one touchdown at 4K is enough. He's a great way to get your Dak stacks different. Outside of that, I'm probably leaving him off the table. For sure. I, I agree with that. I am very interested in Schultz at 4K flat, particularly in cash games. What does this guy have to do to really pay off that salary? You also have to think about who he's affording you in the rest of your lineups. You know, can you maybe make that jump to get up to a safe play like Christian McCaffrey in your cash lineups if you roster Dalton Schultz? It's at least a question to think about, I think, going forward. But we have nearly 200 of you in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button. Try to support me, Kyle, and the entire Awesome team. It is the best way to do so on here, the easiest way to do so. But say you're not paying up for tight end. 
say you're not paying down for Dalton Schultz in tournaments, where are you most likely to go to find that leverage? We know this is a volatile position, highly touchdown dependent, a position I'm very willing to fade some chalk at. Where are you looking? So this this is mind-boggling to me. Dallas Goddard, 5,500. Did, did, why is no one on this? He's supposed to be less than 1%. I knew you were going to do this. I knew it. This is... And I, you know, we talk at the top of the tight end conversation. I'm not saying Dallas Goddard is immediately the number one tight end, but for the the discrepancy in his ownership versus Zach Ertz versus any of the guys in his price range versus like people are going to be more on Gronk at 54 for uh, pay, please God, pay a hundred more dollars and get a 10 times better tight end in Dallas Goddard. I think his price is fine. He's not super cheap, but he's fine in that mid range. And just the fact that guys like, like Higby, like, Hawkinson, I expect Dallas Gard, he's the number two or like the 2B receiver on this team. I don't get how his ownership is just so much lower than like dusty old Rob Gronkowski, who is probably going to beat out by OJ Howard at some point. It just blows my mind, the ownership discrepancy. I don't think he's like the lock of all locks, but my God, people. Yeah, I mean, this Philly team is running 12 personnel at an extremely high rate. It's similar to last year when the receivers were all banged up. They're starting to get healthier, but I still think we see heavy, heavy dosages of 12 personnel in their offense. I mean, Goddard played 79% of snaps last week. Nine targets leads the team. At 5.5K, I think people still have this perception, you know, Dallas Goddard functioning as the tight end too. He's not worth his price. So that could be a reason why his ownership is potentially depressed. As far as, you know, other sort of leverage pivots go, there's a lot of interesting names, you know, tight ends that I think will see volume, but aren't necessarily your safest plays. One is Evan Ingram. He's 6K flat. So he's also not very attractive as far as price goes, but he's playing for a Giants team. He ran 90, he ran around a 90% of Daniel Jones dropbacks, essentially functioning as a top three pass catcher on that team. We know Golden Tate is still banged up. And he saw seven targets. It was an 18% target share. So he's someone just with his pass catching prowess I'm interested in. A guy, you know, like Mike Jacecki stands out in a, a really tough matchup, but someone you could maybe also get a break on ownership with. Jack Doyle is cheap. I know he popped up on the injury report, so we'll have to watch his status. But there's a lot of options at tight end. Who else would you might maybe be looking to for leverage here? Yeah, Logan Thomas led his team in targets, led his team in air yards, and was third in skill position snaps on the team. 4700 is a very affordable price in a game that has a reasonably high belief. I last saw them at 47 versus Arizona. That total is attractive, and it's in a spot where I think it's not going to garner the ownership relative to its upside. You already talked about liking Dwayne Haskins. I just think that he makes sense in a range where there's a lot of guys, Jonu Smith, around that same ownership and price range. You know, we see a little bit cheaper, Dalton Schultz, a little bit more expensive, TJ Hawkinson. I think he falls in that sweet spot of where I'm trying to pay down, not entirely, not a complete punt for Dalton Schultz, but he's still cheap. His ownership is going to be probably sub 5%. I don't think he's the best pivot. Like, I don't, you know, he's still got some ownership. People aren't completely writing him off. But in that range, he's probably my favorite play of the price range and of the ownership range. I agree. I agree. I like the ownership a lot there as well. As far as fades at tight end, I think it's harder to make the case for a lot of these guys just because it's a really touchdown dependent position. I'm going to kind of go off the board. I have a really strong feeling I know who you're going to talk about. So I want to touch on TJ Hawkinson for Detroit. He's not a really strong fade for me. He's just a guy I really question his role after seeing the week one snap shares. 64% only ran 28 routes. That was route on 60% of Matthew Stafford dropbacks. He does have the five targets. That's a 12.2% target share. So those numbers aren't egregious. 
He's priced at 5.6K. You know, he's right around guys like Goddard, who I certainly prefer over Hawkinson. So I just want to point out that I'm typically not getting to a lot of Hawkinson in my build. So as far as when we talk fades, he's a guy that's probably going to be a fade for me just by default of me liking other players more in his price range. Is there anyone you're downright fading this week at tight end? Yeah, assuming he plays, I'm still going to be off of George Kittle. This is going to be one of the most miserable game environments. You didn't take Jets. my guy. No, right. I, are, are you talking Zach Ertz? No, I'm talking Chris Herndon, but go ahead. Talk about Kittle. Oh, Chris Herndon. Are people, uh, are people on, on Chris Herndon? I'm not, I'm not playing Chris Herndon. Are you kidding me? I, yeah, I, I'm not playing any part of this game. So the fact that George Kittle drawing, if he plays, drawing some ownership, he left at some point. I think he left before halftime in the first game. He didn't, he just doesn't appear to be healthy. If people are going to be on him at his crazy price, like paying that much for George Kittle, your opportunity cost is is pretty high in terms of you could pay down like nearly 3000 to get Logan Thomas. You could pay down 3400 to get Dalton Schultz. So you commit a lot of your salary to him. And then he's coming in, you know, in that seven to 10 ownership range. He could sink your entire lineup on his own if he comes out and just is not able to play. And even if he is, the game environment is, is miserable. It's not a game I want to be targeting. So for me, he's just an easy guy to write off, assuming he plays. And obviously, if he doesn't, don't play him. Outside of that, Jonu Smith, I talked about fading Ryan Tannehill. I, I'm, by that measure, I'm totally fading Jonu Smith. When Anthony Ferkser and Mike Hoyle Pruitt are threats to your touchdown upside and your team is a giant favorite and all they want to do is run the ball, I just can't imagine playing Jonu Smith, you know, 4,900, I am absolutely pivoting, saving $200, saving a little bit of ownership and, and playing Logan Thomas over him every single time. Yeah, I agree with those two fades. I, I thought you were going to say Chris Herndon. Now, Chris uh, he's, Herndon- He's off my radar. I don't think of, I, I haven't thought of Chris Herndon in, in at least 48 hours. You know, it, his ownership came in a little higher yesterday. I think these numbers have changed at this point, yeah. but his ownership has dropped probably just because he's 5,100. You can play guys like, I don't know, Dalton Schultz for a fraction of the mm -hmm. price, but you know, just to- to back up this Herndon fade, he only ran around on 56% of Sam Darnold dropbacks. I mean, do you really want to roster a player on the team with the lowest total every single week on an Adam Gase led offense? The, the answer for me is a resounding no. So I, I think we'll leave the tight end position at that. Let's, uh, let's talk some bold calls before we get out of here. Let's give the people what they want on FanDuel. What is going to take down that Crucial GPP win for these people on FanDuel this weekend. What are you looking at as far as bold calls? I'm going to say Tyrod Taylor, apparently my guy. I've been going to, I've been periodically dipping my toes into going to bat for him the whole show. Tyrod Taylor, I'll say scores multiple touchdowns. I think he has upside with his legs as well. So he scores multiple touchdowns and is a top three value at the quarterback position. And he allows you to do so much. So I'm going to go to bat for Tyrod Taylor, multiple touchdowns, could throw, could rush. He's a guy I'm trying to get in my lineups. Yeah, to the Tyrod Taylor point, I think a lot of people expected this team to run super slow. They actually showed a lot. They ran with a decent pace. They were eighth in place per game. They ran 71. And, you know, they played with a lead for a large portion of this game. I believe Cincinnati scored first, but then after that, LA played with the lead for a large portion of this game. They weren't throwing the ball, and that makes sense. You never really expected this team to throw the ball. But like you mentioned, Tyrod Taylor does add in some ability with his legs. So I'm certainly interested at Tyrod Taylor. He's 6,800. So you're, I mean, this is another reason why you might not want to play a guy like Lamar Jackson at 95. You're, you're paying literally a fraction of the price for Tyrod Taylor. So I'm hoping they keep up that quick pace. We know they're going to have to try to keep up with the Chiefs. So I'm certainly interested, but for my bold call, you're going to have to talk me off this Dwayne Haskins and 
and Terry McLaurin stack. And maybe we can touch on the Arizona side of this too, before we get out of here, we didn't really talk about the Cardinals a lot and they will carry some ownership. So we should hit on that too. But as far as the Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin stuff goes, we talked about the pace for Washington, a team that played surprisingly fast. I think they'll be pass heavier when they're in negative game script. Again, just 49% pass last week when they were surprisingly playing with the lead. We know the Cardinals are going to play fast. They're a team that allows 7.4 yards per attempt. Dwayne Haskins is 6,500. So you're also affording yourself the ability to jam in a bunch of studs at the top. As far as Terry McLaurin goes, you know, Logan Thomas kind of outshined him in week one, but Terry McLaurin still ran a route on 100% of Dwayne Haskins dropbacks, 23.5% target share, nearly 30% of Washington's air yards. It's a situation that I want to target. And if you want to look at complete game stacks, I mean, you had DeAndre Hopkins, you have Kenyon Drake, you have Christian Kirk. There's a ton of options on the other side. We didn't talk about Kyler. He's 8K on the slate. I think he's another nice option if you were to target the Arizona side of this and maybe use like McLaurin as a run back. But what do you think about this game and the Haskins-McLaurin call? Yeah, I like that call a lot. I think this game is going to go, I think apparently every game is going to go under underlooked relative to the obvious Atlanta-Dallas smash bot. So anyway, I can just pivot and find a unique game to stack. I absolutely love it. And I like the Washington side of things. It should be a good matchup versus the Cardinals. And there are, like you mentioned, great run back options. We have Kenyon Drake as a, a phenomenal value at 6,600 this week. DeAndre Hopkins, a, an absolute target animal in week one. So the run backs are great. The Washington side is going to go completely underlooked relative to having, I like their condensed target tree. If you get Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, you can get most of their targets. So I think this is a great spot to get different on the slate. I like the bold call. I have one more, and I want to ask you a question on this. I kind of like Raheem Mostert. 60% of snaps, 18 touches. There's some, some steam in the chat as well about Raheem Mostert. I don't think Tevin Coleman and Jared McKinnon play a large role, and they're playing the Jets. Like, should Raheem Mostert have more ownership? I, I kind of think he should. Yeah, I mean, what what other options does this team have to do if George Kittle doesn't end up playing or plays at a hobble capacity without, you know, without Debo, potentially without Brandon Ayuk? What else do they do? How do they not run the ball on, you know, two-thirds of their plays or more? And they're touchdown favorites. It is, and the, and the line was actually moved one point in their favor as well. It, it seems like this is actually another great spot to get on Mostert. And uh, not, not a film guy. The dude looks like fast. He was he was electric on his reception, man. He is like, he's the real deal. I think he's going to get the majority of his team's carries. We saw that in week one. He greatly outtouched his his backfield compatriots. So for me, in a smash spot against a terrible Jets defense where they're big favorites and they have no other options at this point but to run the ball, Mostert is another great pivot option off some of the running back chalk. I really like that. Well, Kyle, thanks. That'll do it for the show today, guys. We have two hundred of you in here. Hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you know when we're live. Follow myself at Matt underscore Gajeski. Follow him, Kyle, at Kyle Tweets here. And make sure to go to awesomeo.com. Sign up for that NFL weekly pass. It is at awesomeo.com backslash join. Thank you guys all for joining us today. Had a lot of blast breaking down the FanDuel DFS slate on our FanDuel DFS show, our inaugural episode. We'll be back again next week. And thanks a lot, guys. I'm going to go to the hospital. 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 I'm going